do something and put our hands together for everyone that just has been serving us, leading us in worship, serving us as we worship through our giving. And uh, whether we realize it or not, it takes hundreds of people to serve Christian Faith Center every week to make what we do possible. And I, for one, am so grateful for each and every one of them. Hey, it is good to be with you guys this weekend. It is exciting. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Jordan. I'm the lead pastor here at CFC. And uh, my wife and I have been on sabbatical for a month. And for those of you that are not churchy and have no idea what a sabbatical is, it is a prolonged period of time where they make me stay away from the church. And uh, uh, what I mean by that is it's a time to rest and refresh. And uh, man, we are rested. We are refreshed. We've got a word from God for this next season, and we could not be more excited that it just happened to work out on the calendar that we'd be here at the main campus this weekend, my first week back. So it is good to see you, and uh, I send uh, Pastor Monty and Kelly send their love. He is at our executive uh, leadership conference in Colorado, and uh, Pastor Kelly is there with him. Can we just do this and put our hands together for Pastor Monty and Kelly? We love them so much. And uh, bummed out that we got here and they left, but sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Why don't you grab your Bibles this morning? We're going to kick off a brand new series called Imagine. And uh, I've been out of things for about a month, and I've got about 14 sermons worth of content rolling around in my mind and my spirit. So pray for a preacher this morning. I'm going to try to get this out. But I've got a word that I believe um, could shift things in your life. How many want to leave more in love with Jesus, with greater faith, more sold out for what God's calling you to do, and believing God for greater things than you ever have before when you leave here today? Awesome. If not, what is wrong with you? Come on, somebody. Uh, Man, it's great to just come to church sometimes. But I don't know about you, but I want to catch something that's going to help me be a better Christian, be more in love with Jesus, and live my life with bigger faith. And I believe that that's possible today if you'd open up your heart to the Word of God. Let's turn to John chapter 2, and I want to talk to you today about creating space for a miracle. Why don't you look at your neighbor and just say, you look miraculous. John chapter 2, go with me there. I need all the time I can get, so let's jump right in. John chapter 2, I believe God wants to do something in our hearts today. John chapter 2, as we head into November. We're going to read the first 11 verses of John chapter 2. We're going to read what is a well-known passage of Scripture. For those of you that may have been associated with the church for a while, if you're new to church, new to the faith, this is a very popular passage of Scripture because it's actually where Jesus does his very first miracle. John chapter 2, when you find it, shout, yeah, baby. John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's read together. We'll throw these on the screen for you as well, and uh, we'll get this in our hearts and dive into God's Word. John chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Have you ever been the person that was like also invited? I kind of get that sense that it was mainly Jesus' mama's thing. You you know, like Jesus' mother was invited and yeah, Jesus was there too. So it's kind of interesting, just something to to, to chew on as we we dig through this. I think this was kind of Jesus' mom's deal. 
And it says, they were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Now listen to verse 4, because this is just epic. Listen to verse 4. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, have you ever had to tell a special woman in your life, like, I just don't think that's our problem. Why can't we just mind our own business? Let them figure that out on their own. I love that even Jesus had to deal with that. He said, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some of it out and take it to the master of the ceremonies, the party planner. So the servants followed his instructions, and when the master of the ceremonies tasted the wine, the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew. I want you to catch that. Though of course the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over and said, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. Come on, the stuff in the boxes come out last. But you have saved the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and the servants and his, or excuse me, and his disciples believed in him. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for today. Thank you that Amanda and I are back from sabbatical. It is so good to be with the church. And there's no church in this world we'd rather be with than Christian Faith Center. Lord, I just pray for a mirror, a touchdown from heaven today. Speak to your people through your word. Somehow use me to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about making room for a miracle. About creating space in your life for God to do the miraculous. And as we kick off a brand new series called Imagine, I, I think it would be out of line to not talk about the imagination that God has given to us. You know, God has given to us an imagination. As a matter of fact, all you have to do is spend time with, with some children and you'll realize that God has hardwired us to have an imagination. Anybody ever spent some time with kids and you're like, I'm not even sure what planet you live in. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I bought my son, I had a kind of a dude day with my boys yesterday, my wife was showing houses and and uh, we went and got haircuts, and my son wanted me to take him to Zurchers, or Zerkers, however you say it. I don't know. It's the store my wife spends a lot of money at. And uh, it's a party supply store. And so, but they also sell costumes, and my kids knew it. And so my son picked out this Sparta shield and sword. And it was amazing. For like three hours in like 48-degree weather, my son was in the backyard with no shirt on. And he, he, he wasn't just playing a Spartan. He was a Spartan. Come on, somebody. He's leaping off slides with no shirt, wielding his sword and slaying thousands of people that were against him in our backyard. It was amazing. And I was thinking about this because I'm like, this is amazing because as children, we have a lot of imagination. But I think sometimes as adults, we set aside some of the things that God's wired us and we settle for what we would consider reality. 
I think sometimes it's only our reality, though, because it's what we've settled for. And I think God gave us this ability to imagine something greater so that we could not just settle for what we're given, but we could picture something better than already exists, where we could tap into something from God that would enable us to envision a future that's better than our today. I think what our nation needs more than anything is for the people of God to be able to envision a future that's better than the current reality that we live in, to envision a future that's more united, to envision a future that's more in unity, to envision a future that's not divided, to envision a future that's, that's impacted by God, to envision a future where a generation would rise up full of the Holy Spirit and make a difference in the world we live in. We need more imagination, not less. We, you can settle or you can imagine something better than already exists. As a matter of fact, I think imagination can actually be used for both good and bad. As a matter of fact, we can pick up in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and the Bible says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything, I want you to catch this, everything they thought or imagined, everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. You don't have to look very far, and I don't have to work very hard as a preacher to create any kind of, of support for this thought in your minds. We all know we live in a world that is making up ways to get better at doing bad things. Come on, somebody. But I want you to understand that you're in control of your imagination. We don't have to fall prey to that same trap that our imagination would be used for bad and not good. We're in control of that. As a matter of fact, as born-again believers that have the Spirit of God living inside of us, the Bible has something to say about our imagination. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and he says this encouragement to Timothy that I want to encourage you with today. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love, and I want you to catch this, and of a sound mind. Now, if you look up the word sound mind, what it actually means is a disciplined mind. It means a mind that you are in control of. Can I just encourage you? You are in control of your mind. You're in control of your thinking. Nobody else is in control of your thinking but you. Your imagination is within your control. We've been given a sound mind. Now, I want to unpack just a few things about this text that I think are going to encourage us because I think imagination has more to do with what happened in this passage than you'd think. I'm going to give you a few nuggets. I'm a simple preacher. I want you to write a few things down. And science has proven you're like 90% more likely to go to heaven if you just take notes in church. It's amazing. So all you people that want to go to heaven, here's thought one. You ready? Number one, write this down. Your thinking makes room for your miracle. Your thinking makes room for your miracle. What I thought is interesting here is that Mary creates room in her thinking for what's possible. Imagination is more than fairy tales. It's more than transforming into someone from Sparta. Come on, somebody, in the backyard, bare-chested and wild. It's more than that. It's creating space in your mind for what you believe is possible. As a matter of fact, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm impacted by this on, in more ways than one. Is there anyone else in the room that's still blessed enough to have your mother with you? Yeah. But is there anybody on the other side of that token that would also realize that no matter how old you get, no matter how much notoriety you have, your mom doesn't care about any of that? If you want to just have a reality check of who you really are, just hang out with your mama for a while. Because she just don't care about any of the other stuff. And the reality is, is it makes me feel a little bit better. And if you're in here and you're dealing with that, I don't know that you ever outgrow it. Even Jesus had to deal with that. Even Jesus was sitting in a room and he told his, he told his mom, woman, dear woman, what does this have to do with us? She doesn't even reply to what he said. She completely ignores what he said. She goes right past what he said. She snags the waiter. Come on, somebody. And she's like, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She already, he already told her he didn't want to do anything. And he gave her a pretty good reason as to why he didn't want to do it. She didn't care. She didn't care about any of that. Now, I don't even really have a point for saying all that other than that ministers to my soul. Because it doesn't matter how old I get. It doesn't matter what I happen to accomplish or not accomplish or how many titles get put next to my name or any of that junk. When I hang out with my mom, she still really doesn't care about any of that stuff. Come on, somebody. Jesus dealt with that same thing. But I want you to know something that Mary didn't ignore what Jesus said because she didn't know who he was. Mary knew exactly who Jesus was. Mary knew exactly that he was the son of God. Mary knew exactly the miracle of his birth. Come on, somebody. She knew exactly what it happened. She knew exactly where he came from. She knew exactly what his purpose was on the earth. She knew he was God. She knew he came from heaven. She knew it was not just her son, but her Lord. She ignored him anyway. So moms, let that minister to your soul. But I want you to catch this because Mary had the capacity to envision an opportunity for Jesus to do something in this situation. And I think Jesus will sometimes test our imagination, our belief for what's possible. Matter of fact, I don't have time to go into it, but if you go into the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, and you know this, some of you know the story, but basically Jesus is teaching and there's crowds of, most scholars believe about 15,000, 20,000 people, 5,000 men were in attendance, and they're all grumpy and hungry because Jesus was a long-winded preacher. Come on, somebody. And uh, all they got is a little happy meal, a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And, and the disciples are like, Jesus, you know, hey, listen, this sermon's been amazing. We, we love it and all, but we, we got to let these people go. They're hungry. We're hungry. Um, and Jesus stops them and he says this. He goes, you feed them. You feed them. Well, maybe you misunderstood us, Jesus. What we were saying is there's like 20,000 people here. And uh, Jesus said, no, you feed them. Now, you can look at that as Jesus setting them up for failure, but I don't think Jesus would ever suggest that they do something that wasn't possible. I think more than just stretching them and leading them into a place where he could demonstrate who he was to them, I think Jesus was testing their capacity to imagine a miracle. 
I think Jesus was, it was a test. It was a test to see if they could see beyond their natural circumstance and envision a scenario in which God could show off in the midst of their problem. I think sometimes the problems you face are really just a test of your imagination. Some of the greatest innovations that have ever come into our earth, the world that we live in, have come out of, out of an environment of problems. Innovation has flown out of issues. It's come when people were able to not just point out what's wrong, but they were able to envision a solution to the problems that they face. I think sometimes we forfeit miracles because we don't have the capacity to imagine God doing something miraculous in the space that we live in. Or we think that our scenario or our circumstances are too insignificant for God to want to do anything in our midst. And this story is proof positive that your problem, your life, it's not too small, it's not too obscure, it's not so out of reach that God doesn't want to display his supernatural power in the midst of it. And so they said, we're out of wine. And Mary goes, Jesus could fix it. Everyone else went, oh, we're out of wine. And, and Mary goes, Jesus could fix it. We should be the kind of people that when a problem comes, we're not going, oh, I can't believe, oh, I can't believe that happened to me. Oh, I can't believe that's happening in our nation. Oh, I can't believe that statistic is real. But we should be people that go, Jesus could fix it. God could move in it. It doesn't have to be that way. If we create space for God, anything is possible. And so it starts not with a problem, but it starts with your thinking. It starts with you being able to imagine that it doesn't have to be like this, but God can do something about it. It's in your imagination. Our lives are the size of our imagination. The Lord's been really dealing with me deeply on the issue of what could be if I wasn't stuck in the framework of what has been. Sometimes our lives are only as big as what has been. But God's not limited to what has been. He's not just the God of the past, but he's the God that was and is and, come on, is to come. He's the God that wants to enlarge your life. He's the God that wants you to finish better than you started. He's the God that doesn't want the best you've ever done to be the pattern and the lid for the best you'll ever do. How many know the greatest days of our church, they're not in our past, they're in our future? How many know the greatest days of your life are not in your past, they're in your future? Because we serve a God that always has more in store than we've already experienced. Can I get an amen? That's who our God is. What would God do if you could imagine beyond? See, some of us are trapped in what was. Or you're trapped in I can't. Or you're trapped in I won't. But see, there's miracles on the other side of a different way of thinking. There's miracles on the other side of a different way of thinking. I was thinking of Psalm 23, verse 5. And it's King David. And many of us know this. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. But let me read it to you. Psalm 23, verse 5, I'll read from the New King James Version. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now catch this, very important. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Don't miss this. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Your cup can only catch and contain what your head has caught first. Unless you can catch it in here, you'll never contain it in here. 
David said, you anoint my head with oil and my, my cup, my life, it, it spills over around me. It overflows around me. It's, it can't be contained within the vessel. It's, it's running over. Why? Because my head is anointed with oil. If you can imagine it, you can have it. If you can think it, you can do it. What is possible to you is largely confined to what you're able to imagine in the mind that God has given to you. You gotta believe it before you can have it. You gotta imagine it before your life can contain it. It's when your head is anointed that your cup runs over. Come on, somebody. So we need to be able to imagine. God spoke to me on my time away and he just said, this is a season where a great and effective door has been opened to you. I believe that's the word for our church. That not somewhere else, not someone else, not a different time, but right now, you, me, us, together, a great door of opportunity for effective ministry is open to us in the valley, in America, in our world. And yes, there's many who oppose us, but how many know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world? But we've got to be able to think that. We've got to be able to imagine that. We've got to be able to process and contain that. See, with Mary, you got to understand that you've got pull. She had pull with Jesus. She had some pull with Jesus. See, Jesus had dwelt within her, grew and expressed himself, manifested himself as the Lamb of God through her life. And if you understood the affinity that Jesus has with people who will create space within them for him to dwell, it would change everything in your life. Can I just ask you a question? Who here has created space in your life for God to dwell within you? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what you've done. For the spirit of the living God is in you. And you've created space for the spirit of Jesus to dwell within your life. And, you know, the Bible says if God dwells in you, that you are highly favored. God says that if the Spirit of God dwells in you and you are a son or daughter of God, then you can ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you in heaven. You have pull with heaven. How many believe that today? How many believe that Jesus cares what you think? He cares what you need. He cares what you're believing for. He cares about the things that are going on in your life. And if you've created space for God to reign and rule in your life, then you have incredible pull with heaven and what you ask for and what you believe for. God wants to move in. You can't out-imagine God. I've heard people say, well, what if, I, what if I dream something too big? That's a silly thing to say. My Bible says that God is able to do infinitely more than we could ever think or imagine. You can't out-imagine God. He's not waiting on you. Or excuse me, he's not waiting on us. We, we need him to move in our lives. We need him to show up and do something amazing for us. Now, I want you to write this down, and I'm going to dial this back in. My first point had the most content, but write this down. Number two, your movement creates room for your miracle. So your thinking creates room for your miracle. Your movement also creates room for your miracle. Your movement creates room for your miracle. Your doing and God's moving are tied together. I see two vessels in this story. Now, a lot of us will just see one. We'll see a vat, a, a washing pot, really, is what it was. It was for ceremonial cleansing. 
the Hebrew people would wash their hands and they would do certain ceremonies as far as cleaning and rituals and things, and they had water pots for that purpose. Would have been common, by the way. It's not like they were ornate and gold. They would have been common, and it would have been pretty unclean. It's dirty hand water. Come on, somebody. That's not good water. It's not something you want to drink. It's common, and it's unclean. So just in case you're here this morning and you're not sure you have what it takes for God to do something great with your life, just realize he doesn't need extravagance and he doesn't need doctorate degrees and he doesn't need a a perfect person because there aren't any. God is perfectly capable of doing something supernatural with something that is common and has even been used for unclean purposes in the past. If that gives you any hope this morning, can you just give God a quick shout? That he can do miracles with common things and even things that have been used for something unclean. That none of that is off limits for the miraculous. I see that and I also see people that were willing to be used of God. See, I see wine vats, water pots that have been turned to wine vats, but I also see servants. In the story, the vessels were not just the pot. You had the pots and you had the people. Come on, somebody. And it always takes a pot and a person. A lot of times we just want God to move in the pot, though. We want him to do it all by himself. We want to show up to a place like this, and we just want, we're in the pot. Come on, somebody. And God's just going to come in, and boom, he's going to do this miracle, and I can just go back to my life and, and everything, and I don't have to really participate. But it always takes more than a pot. It takes a pot and a person. There's two willing vessels that are a recipe for the miraculous, and your movement is a critical part of that. It is bad theology to think that you don't have to participate in the miraculous. That's why we call it the great co-mission. We call it co-laboring with Christ. There's this very strange reality, for whatever reason, God has decided that he's not going to do a whole lot in the earth without us. We can't without God, but he won't oftentimes without us. And so we sit in the pot and we expect the miracle to happen, but God needs a pot and a person in order for a miracle to happen. Come on, somebody. Your life might be the pot, but he's looking for a person. Your work might be the pot, but he's looking for a person. Your family might be the pot, but he's looking for a person that's willing to step in and be a willing vessel for God to do the miraculous in. He's looking for a pot and a person. It's important we realize that. It's also important to realize that these people didn't have to say yes to Jesus. Jesus had never done a miracle until now. As a servant, working for somebody that was overseeing this, it would be pretty embarrassing if I just took dirty water up to my boss. Jesus had no track record of miracles. Jesus had never turned water into wine. We don't have one recorded instant of Jesus doing anything miraculous at all until now. So there was no benchmark for them to look at. But can I just tell you, the greatest you've ever seen isn't the greatest that's possible. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could think or imagine. Just because you've never seen it doesn't mean God can't do it. And I just want to infuse some faith in your life that just because you've never seen it doesn't mean God can't do it. Just because God hasn't shown up in that way yet doesn't mean he won't show up in that way now. God is able and the best you've ever seen doesn't have to be the best we ever see. It is when our, will, our I will, though, meets God's I can that the miraculous happens. It's your movement. It's your movement that's so important. So if I was the devil, I would try to get you to stop moving. 
I would try to get you out of the game because I know when people are moving, when faith in Jesus, miracles happen. So I would try to get you. Now listen, the last thing I want to do is be hard on anybody because some of us are out of the game for good reason. Some of us have been disappointed in church. Some of us have been disappointed in the kingdom. We've been betrayed by people. Christians can be nasty sometimes. Come on, somebody. Maybe you've been worked too hard. Maybe you had too much too soon put on your life and it brought you to a place of bitterness. Maybe you were a part of a team that ended up being mainly you. Come on, somebody. Maybe you got backstabbed. Maybe you got gossiped about. But here's the reality. It is only people that have skin in the game that see the miracles break out in their life. You got to have skin in the game. Because your movement makes room for for the miraculous. And so with everything in me, I want to encourage you, it's not too late in 2019 to get back in the game, to pick up the shield of faith, to let God heal your heart, to get plugged into something God is doing and let your movement create room for the miraculous to break out in your life. If you're not in the game, I want to ask you to get in the game. If you're, not, if you're not doing something for God, if you're not actively serving in a place of ministry, I want to ask you to do that. I want to ask you to get in the game. I want to ask you not to just visit a pot, but I want you to be a person that's believing God for something miraculous to happen. I know you told a coworker once about Jesus and they laughed at you. I know you tried and it didn't work out, but God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. It's movement that stirs faith, that creates room for the miraculous. There would have been no miracle without a willing servant to dip in the water and come on out. And so I want to encourage you to be willing. And if I could have a keyboard player come, I'll get us out of here. It's only when we... Quit sitting and get involved that we see miracles released. I want to encourage you to be a participator. My final thought, and write this down if you would as I get ready to close for the first time. Where you sit determines what you see. Where you sit determines what you see. Your involvement is important. Your involvement is, is important in, in what God's doing. Your involvement means and, and, and makes more of a difference than you think in your faith and your life as a Christian. Because I see something really interesting in this passage, and one thing I don't want to leave it without sharing with you is this. A lot of times hindsight gets us messed up because we know the story, right, about Jesus turning water into wine, and we just assume everybody knew about it. We just assume everybody knew about this miracle. But there's really no indication in the scripture that everybody knew about this miracle. Jesus didn't stay up, stand up and take credit for that. That's my Marlowe. Like, that never happened. Jesus was incognito. Jesus was perfectly content to allow miracles to happen through the movement of willing people and for those that were involved to see it for what it was. But I actually see two types of people. I see people that were, that were, that were spectators and they were just a part of what was happening. They were just sitting there participating in the, in the party. That's what I see. And there's not anything necessarily wrong with that as long as you're okay with what I'm about to share. Because there's a lot of people that live their lives this way and they walk out their faith this way. 
They, they don't have skin in the game. They're at the game. They know a lot about the game. They know how to talk about the game. They know the language of the game. They used to be a part of the game, but they're not in the game anymore. They're just kind of at the game. And so there's a lot of people at the party, but they didn't know where the wine came from. They didn't see the miracle of it. But there were some people that had a seat that enabled them to see the miraculous. And it was the people that were on the team. It's the people that were in the game with Jesus. Everyone else saw good wine come out. The disciples, the servants, the people in the game, they saw dirty hand water turn into extravagant beverage. Come on, somebody. And many of us, we come to church, we're a part of church, we're a part of the kingdom, but we can't understand why so many people are so excited about it. Like, listen, I like church as much as the next guy, but like that guy's really churchy. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's just, he's, he's just really into it. It's not, listen, you're a part of the same thing, but you don't see the same thing. Because they're in the game, they saw the miracles that were happening behind the scenes. They saw what was going on. They saw the miracle that was flowing through Jesus. They saw the miraculous breakout. They saw what was going on in a way that the people sitting over here didn't see. These people just saw a problem. What? We're out of wine? These people saw the hand of God move in a miraculous way to meet the needs that were going on around them. This is why some of us will get through miracle offering and we will watch as God enables us to purchase new cameras and, and new equipment so that we can stream what God is doing here all around the world and reach thousands and thousands and thousands more people than we're reaching now. This is why some people will look at that and go, well, I don't know why we needed to spend so much money on cameras. And this is why other people will go, can you believe how many thousands of people we're reaching? Why? Because they see the miracle. They see the miracle. We're going to start a new campus, at least one next year, at Christian Faith Center. And this is why people in this seat are going to go, can you believe it? I see what God's doing. I'm even a part of the team. People are getting saved. The gospel's going forward. The kingdom of God is advancing. And some people will be going, well, I think we're doing something new somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't really make any difference to me. What's the difference? It's where you sit because it determines what you see. It determines whether all this is a miracle or whether it's just something I participate in. Can I tell you, I don't know that Idaho has ever seen a miracle like Christian Faith Center. I don't know that Idaho has ever seen a miracle like what's going on here. But what you sit determines what you see. You can see the miracle or you can miss the miracle all based on where you sit. Well, how do I change my seat? Growth track would be a good start. Miracle offering would be a good start. Be a participator, not just a spectator. And listen, this isn't just me getting up here going, I need people too. I need, I'm going back to Boise next week. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I care about what you see. I care about the fact that you could come into this place and just see it as common. Because of where you sit. And it's blinded you. 
that you could see Jesus do the miraculous, that you could see God transform lives and use people to reach other people, and you could see God do something miraculous, and you could walk by it like it's common, all because you're in the wrong seat. Can I just beg you this morning to change your seat? There's more to the kingdom than being a spectator. There's so much more in Christ if you'd be a participator. And you would let your movement create room for a miracle. And you would let your position give you the inside. Have you ever heard of inside jokes? God does inside miracles. It's only the people on the inside that get to see what God is doing firsthand. And all of you are welcome on the inside. That's the great part about the kingdom. Nobody's out. Nobody's the odd man out. Nobody's the last guy picked. All of you can be in. It just determines, it's just determined by where you sit. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I need to get you out of here. Father, thank you right now for each one of these people. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the great privilege to talk to them about you. Right now, all across this room, Lord, I pray that if there would even be one person that doesn't know you in a personal way, even one, I pray that a faith-filled, powerful reality would hit their life, that everything, God, everything you have done in the last thousands of years has been for one purpose. It has been to manifest your glory in a way that people could see you for who you are, a God that loves them and wants them and made them and made a way to be with them. And that if we would believe you and believe on you and give our lives to you, everything could change for us and should change for us. It's what you paid for. It's what you want. And I pray that if there'd even be one person here in this room today that would say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I pray that just right now in your heart, you'd begin shifting that. And just say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life right now. Forgive me, make me new, make your home in me. Forgive me for turning away and not being focused on who you are and what you've done and, and making you first. But forgive me, Lord, come now and make everything right. I pray that you would do that right now on your own. It's not a recipe. It's not some prayer I, I have you quote. It's you reaching out in faith to God. I pray that you do that. And all across this room, for those of you that love Jesus, for those of you that have been committed to him and maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've been burned out, maybe you've been worn out, maybe you've just lost your hope that, that church could be anything more than what it is, can I just tell you, it is infinitely more than what you see it as. What you see is not all there is, but if you'll change your seat, you'll change what you see. I pray that you'd speak to some of us. I believe there are people in this room today that are gonna do something substantial to help us reach the world in our miracle offering. And you're going to stand on the other side of that and go, I helped do that. It was my movement that made room for a miracle. Some of you have stepped out of ministry for whatever reason. I believe God is speaking to you right now. And you need to go talk to one of our ministry leaders and get on a team and help us reach this world for Jesus. Because where you sit determines what you see. So all across this room right now, can we just stand to our feet as we get ready to dismiss? I really do have to get us out of here. If you're not where you need to be with Jesus today, I want you to, we're, we're gonna end the service here in just a second. Music's gonna keep playing, but these people here wanna pray for you. They wanna pray for you. If you've been hurt in church, hurt by a church person, 
We want to pray for you today because I believe God wants to heal hearts and get you back in the game. Because miracles are waiting to flow into your life and it's your movement that's going to trigger them. How many would say yes and amen? So I'm going to pray and dismiss, but if that's you today, if you need Jesus as Savior, if you need God to heal your heart and get you back in the game, please don't leave without praying with one of our elders and leaders today. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these people. Thank you for for what you're doing. Go with us, Lord. Shift our lives. Turn our hearts. Help us make room for the miraculous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Bless you. Come and get prayer if you need it. My wife and I, some of our pastors will be out in the foyer. We'd love to meet you, especially if you're a new guest. We want to shake your hand, get to know your name. For the rest of you guys, we'll see you next week.